$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be discussing the Gospel Coalition and their recent defense of beta pastors, or squishes as I call them. And just one of the things we have to learn is to never trust a squish. So, with that said... The Gospel Coalition is a top 5,000 site in the United States. It is huge. I know I've talked about the Gospel Coalition being a defeated organization, and they are. But somehow, some way, they are still widely circulated. They are a top 5,000 website in the United States, which is huge. And yet, at the same time, they can't afford a TGC conference next year so with that said a lot of issues at the gospel coalition they are being exposed we are exposing them and we will continue to expose them so don't forget to like the video also subscribe to the channel really helps with the magical youtube algorithms so brett mccracken wrote an article titled stop throwing pastors under the bus which is brett mccracken's first real foray into um just ongoing spiritual warfare in a while. It's been a quite some time since he's done anything substantive uh, to to attack Christianity and the church recently. Uh, so, because Brett McCracken, you got to understand, like, I was surprised I would have put money on this being Trevin Wax's article. Like, I would have thought this was Trevin Wax who wrote this. No, but no, it was Brett McCracken. Brett McCracken is known for bad pop culture takes, and he wants to be a pop culture writer, even though he sucks at pop culture. But 
that's that's what he's known for, and you can kind of see that in the articles he has down below. Um, but credit where credit is due, his Manti Teo article is actually decent. It's not as good as mine, but it is decent. And that that is pretty good for a Gospel Coalition article. So with that said, that's just a picture of who Brett McCracken is. Uh, he's a pop culture wannabe writer who writes for the Gospel Coalition and is a squish himself. So he's basically talking about the, the context for this article is largely on, on the backdrop of Big Eva taking major exceptions to being called out for their branch covidianism. And what publication pushed branch covidianism hard? The Gospel Coalition. So this is an article titled Stop Bashing Pastors, but what did the Gospel Coalition do while Canadian pastors were in jail? It said, not to panic, religious liberty is not under attack. That's what they said. They attacked pastors, essentially, they attacked pastors while pastors were in jail. And now they are writing an article saying not to attack pastors. Um, and it also goes for Colin Hansen, who wrote a book. He's the editor-in-chief, I believe, at Gospel Coalition. Uh, Tim Keller's the founder, along with D.A. Carson. I'll do more content on D.A. Carson in the, in the future. But, and I've done plenty on Tim Keller. But uh, Colin Hansen did, wrote a book about the essentials of gathering in the assembly of the saints after he attacked and failed to defend pastors that maintained and fought lockdowns by continuing to worship despite government prohibition. So that's the type of publication that the Gospel Coalition is. Um, and it starts out with this, you know, squishy, and, and this is a squish article as you as I'm about to show you. Uh, formula, the formula is familiar. A high on, highly online Christian takes a social media, takes a social media to put a generic pastors on blast by unfavorably comparing them to secular thought leaders or politicians who are supposedly more courageous truth tellers. Um, there is a saying that, uh, pastors and comedians are supposed to be where you hear the truth. And that has not been the case largely the last two years. I know some people are going to say Dave Chappelle, but Dave Chappelle largely affirms transgenderism and his beef with transgenderism is that it affects, you know, it's kind of competing with his beef with the whole race narrative. Like that's who Dave Chappelle is and his comedy is very open about that. And I don't begrudge him for that, but people on the right kind of make him, out to be much more of a truth sayer than he actually was or is, but I digress. But I will say this: Bill Burr made a, is more pro-life or more honest about the life issue than many pastors are, and that specifically goes towards the Southern Baptist Convention and those who defend the ethics and religious liberty. Commission, such as Bart Barber, who is a pastor, Bill Burr is more honest about the life issue than Bart Barber. So, and then obviously we can talk about politicians. Ron DeSantis, clearly more honest. Uh, Doug Mastriano's based, and I hope he gets elected. And then Carrie Lake as well, extremely articulate. Uh, despite the female factor, she 
seems to have more testicular fortitude than many pastors. And it shows. So then Brett McCracken wants to ask, is this a good faith critique and is it helpful? That's a fair question to ask. And I, I like the strike through here, pummeling your pastor and then strike through the pastors online. Few call out their own pastors online, but many employ the imprecise word pastors. Every pastor in the world, every American pastor, a few notable pastors you're subtweeting to advance a narrative of neglected, of negligent clergy sitting out the culture war. Now, I got to push back on this premise just as someone who works in conservative media. I am familiar with people who have critiques of their pastor and voicing them online. I am pretty familiar with that. And I hear people talk about how they don't really have good church options. I hear about these things. Uh, Joe Webin has heard a lot about these things, and he's doing a conference on helping people start churches because we don't have the luxury of debating whether churches should be the ones to start churches or whether laymen uh, can get together and start and form a church. We don't have the luxury of debating that, and I don't really think it's a very biblical debate in the first place, but we don't have the luxury of debating that. There are whole swaths of this country and certainly of the countries that the Gospel Coalition caters to, like the Canadians, the Australians perhaps, the UK, uh, that, don't, that have swaths of countrysides and populations that have no legitimate churches. This is a legitimate issue, and I imagine there's a lot of people who bash their pastors online more than what I would think. Uh, I don't do it. But, uh, you know, I, I like the church I go to. But uh, I understand that a lot of people struggle to find a church, and I've been there. I've been there. Often, the social media post focuses on a timely front in the culture war and turns it into an indictment on beta pastors... <laughs> I didn't realize he uses the term beta pastors. I use that in the beginning and I'm using that in the headline of the video and article that I'm going to do. But I didn't realize he used that until just now. Uh, who are allegedly naive about the gr issue's gravity. Now, I'm not entirely sure that these pastors are naive versus they don't agree with us. Which, quite frankly, is not worse. Like, if they, a pastor doesn't agree with us on the culture issue... That's pretty bad, but they're naive. That's also really bad. And I don't know whether I want to go J.K. Simmons uh, in Whiplash. And quite frankly, the fact that he doesn't know is even worse. I don't know if I want to go there yet, but it is a debate we should have. So, who are allegedly naive about the issue's gravity. Wake up, pastor. While you're trying to winsomely engage the culture, the culture is indoctrinating your congregation with uh, CRT, homosexual transvestite agenda, uh, woke ideology, and so on. Quit sitting on the sidelines. Right. Uh, yeah. And then left-leaning Christians. Really? So here we got the third wayism, right? 
you're legitimizing left liberal Christianity. And liberalism is apostasy. Liberal Christianity is apostate Christianity. It is a form of Christianity that is syncretized with the whims of the culture. That is what liberal Christianity is. Um, especially with our culture, like feminism, modernism, postmodernism, cultural Marxism. All these things are part of liberal Christianity because they're syncretizing with the culture. Uh, and then left-leaning Christians also join the, in the pastors as punching bags, social media chorus. Their posts similarly indict pastors as vague as a vague class, taking them to task for enabling various evils. Pastors have blood on their hands. They're cowardice and staying silent on racism, Christian nationalism, which is based and biblical, abuse. I don't think pastors are really silent about that, but go on. AR-15 mass shootings, even the ones that don't involve AR-15s. Uh, but again, Evangelical Dark Web, we commented on the Cruz uh, sentencing, the Nicholas Cruz sentencing, and how he got off easy. And you know, we'll, write, we'll definitely write something on the Daryl Brooks trial more explicitly. We've already done some coverage of that trial. But we'll write more on that. So we, we speak out about mass murder here at Evangelical Dark Web. Uh, climate change, which is a net positive for humanity because warmer climate is a good thing. That's a good thing, as Bernie Sanders would say. Means they have zero moral authority on any issue. Now, again, this is third wayism to try to paint both sides as moral equivalencies. Like, are these moral equivalencies? Is homosexuality and transvestite agenda, is, is that a moral equivalent to abuse? Well, maybe, but no one's actually defending abuse. What we're actually seeing happening is people try to use the issue of abuse to bring feminism into the church. That's what's real. That's the real complaint. They're trying to peddle Rachel Den Hollander theology. But are we really going to pretend that critical race theory is a moral equivalent of climate change? No, they're not morally equivalent. And he's trying to paint these as morally equivalent, but they're not. Are we really going to paint Christian nationalism as a moral equivalent to homosexuality and woke ideology? No. That's ridiculous. Stop the straw man. Pastors aren't above criticism. There are some pastors who refrain from speaking up about vital issues out of fear of losing favor with one group or another. There are pressing issues some pastors should speak out about more often. Yet it is impossible to lump all pastors together, and it's unhelpful to make blanket accusations in cyberspace. Now, i got to push back on that one, too. It's not blanketly unhelpful, and here's why. Part of the good thing about social media, like too many people complain about social media. I see social media as a net positive because this actually gets gives us the ability for the truth to come out and have its day because you're not going to see that on cable news. I mean, think about Fox News before Tucker Carlson, and they had sort of an interregnum, I suppose. But it was Bill O'Reilly. He dominated, you know, the conservative media sphere. Bill O'Reilly and, and Rush Limbaugh, who had to go out of his way to kind of relaunch AM radio, AM talk radio. He kind of, like, pay, paved a giant pathway there. 
But Bill O'Reilly dominated cable news. That's a bad thing. So, social media has been great in trying to break that away. And get the truth out there. Red pill people, white pill people, gospel people, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, So, I got to push back on that. Number two on my pushback of that is, in so blanketly criticizing pastors, which generalities are useful. They have limitations and exceptions, but they are useful because first of all, it makes a lot of people feel like they're not alone out there. That is the purpose of saying, Hey, we need to have accountability for branch Covidian pastors. It reinforces a major sentiment in the laity that we weren't listened to. We were ignored by our pastors. Our pastors are ignoring uh, the issues we're facing and the things that threaten our livelihoods, our children, our health. These pastors pushed poison on our bodies like Daniel Darling and Russell Moore. I don't think he's a pastor, but still. Uh, They pushed poison. Robert Jeffress pushed poison. There's a conservative pastor for you. Robert Jeffress pushed poison. And And these pastors are supposed to continue going on without accountability? No. That's wrong. These blanket... Assertions on social media, which are generic or or generalizations, help make people feel not alone out there, which is edifying to the body. And also call for a correction, because I would imagine, you know, who also feels this way, not just the people in the pews, but pastors who are doing their jobs also feel this way. They also feel like all these other pastors out there aren't doing their jobs. And they can't do enough. They can't just fill the gap for all these pastors that aren't doing their jobs. And they're trying to overcompensate, perhaps. Or they're trying to start, you know, their own outreach to counteract the negative influence of groups like the Gospel Coalition. Compromise Today. The Southern Baptist Convention and its cooperative program entities. They have to start alternative groups Because people like the Gospel Coalition, people like Desiring God, which is John Piper's ministry, we'll throw him under the bus too, aren't speaking up about people, the issues people in the pews are facing. In fact, you know, John Piper will go woke. He'll try to tell you that no one's teaching critical race theory in the church. He did that two years ago. Said no one's teaching critical race theory in the church. No one. That's a bold-faced lie. But... Again, the words of John Piper felt were in vain because he doesn't realize that uh, critical race theory doesn't necessitate materialism as a premise. Like, if you just hitch it to Christianity, it doesn't stop being critical race theory. It stops being Christianity. So, and John Piper doesn't realize that. That's the issue with John Piper, among other things, Christian hedonism and stuff. So that's what this article definitely fails to see. Maybe you have experienced firsthand 
or maybe have firsthand experience of a specific pastor who's demonstrably shirking his duty to protect the flock from wolves. Fine, I have. I have. Fine. Raise your concern with that pastor directly or raise it with the pastor's elder team. Don't take it to social media except as a last resort. Don't air your grievance with a specific pastor by making broad online accusation without pastors uh, accusations about pastors generally. You know why it's helpful to also make broad accusations against pastors? Again, I have not really read this article all the way through until now, but I mentioned at the beginning of the video, the Gospel Coalition is a top 5,000 website in the United States. It is huge. Uh, as far as faith-based websites go, and if you want to stratify that by Christian, you got Desiring God, I think, is bigger than the Gospel Coalition, and a bunch of Bible apps are bigger than the Gospel Coalition, or Bible websites. The Gospel Coalition is huge. They clearly have a large reach. Clearly a lot of pastors and people who work in churches, people who are seminarians, read the Gospel Coalition. Therefore, since it is a top 5,000 website in the United States, generalizations about pastors because of the Gospel Coalition's influence are completely valid. It are, they are completely warranted. Because your top two sites for commentary are the Gospel Coalition and Desiring God, I think. I, don't quote me on the Desiring God thing. I, I know Desiring God, I think, is a more red website than the Gospel Coalition. But again, trite material. And, you know, this past week I had some German guy comment on my website trying to bash me for as pharisaical for going after the gospel coalition and how help I'm a jerk for calling out their articles, which are meant to help people. It's like it, these articles aren't even helpful. That's the sad thing about the gospel coalition. They're trite. They're banal. They're not helpful. They're pop culture, bad pop culture takes masking as theological insight. They're not good. That's a Brett McCracken reference there. They're, they're not good. Is social media silence violence? A nice cliche he's trying to bring in there. I like that. Uh, much pastor bashing on social media doesn't jive with realities on the ground. From what I've seen, most pastors are aware and concerned about the pressing social and cultural issues of our day. Most of them are seeking resources to be equipped to address timely topics from the pulpit and in pastoral conversations. Transgenderism is one of the most searched for phrases on the Gospel Coalition's website. I got to pause right there. When did your pastor first start talking about transgenderism? 2022? 2021? 2020? 2019? 2018? 2017? Quite honestly, if your pastor wasn't talking about transgenderism between first, but at the latest 2017, your pastor was late to the issue. They were late to the issue. If they weren't talking about it in 2017, they were already late. They were already behind. Bruce Jenner was 2015, guys. Bruce Jenner, 2015. Bradley Manning, 
2015 or 16. I think that was 2016. Bradley Manning was 2016. Bruce Jenner was 2015, I think. And this was in the Democrat Party platform in 2012. Let's not act like this is just a new issue that sprung itself. Um, No, John Money died in 2004. Yet highly online Christians expect pastors to be highly online too. If they don't see a pastor retweeting the latest drag queens perform for children headline, they assume that their pastor, their said pastor isn't aware, doesn't care, or lacks the courage to speak up. But just because there's no social media evidence for a pastor's pro- proactive engagement with a cultural concern doesn't mean that pastor, who may have wisely chosen to be off of social media, is apathetic or ignorant. And again... Maybe they don't mention it on social media, but are they mentioning it on a, any given Sunday? Are they mentioning it in the sermon? Are they bringing it up as an illustration? Are they talking about it in conversation with you? The fact that the evidence for this is only ba- like they, they're trying, he's trying to straw man people as though their evidence for accusations is solely based off social media interaction. I don't think it is. It could be based off their sermons. Uh, from my observation, most pastors today are too busy to be hyper aware of the social media discourse about hot topics because they're actually dealing with hot topics in real life, specific situations. Kind of have my doubts. Pressing uh, X for doubt here. Or is it B? I forget which uh, button was doubt in that game. Uh, they're busy counseling parents in their con congregation whose child thinks he or she is transvestite or they're preparing sermons on Genesis 1 to lay out the theological groundwork for resisting really? Really? Then when's that sermon happening? If that sermon hasn't happened already they're late. We've come to an absurd place where online performance of passion is more important than passion that leads to action in the real world, in the real cultural or contextual communities. A pastor who tweets the right thing about the end of Roe v. Wade with sufficient enthusiasm to establish his pro-life bona fides, even if Twitter is the full extent of his activism, is esteemed more than the pastor who happens to be on social media not be on social media, yet whose church has a long-lasting partnership with a crisis pregnancy center and a foster adoption agency to because those aren't the issue of abortion. That's the issue of helping people in need. That's not the issue of abortion. I don't think those issues are connected. Abortion is a homicide issue. But I digress. To the highly online Christian... The former pastor is, a, is in good graces for now, while the latter is lumped in with the ill-defined group of supposedly ineffectual pastors whose silence is deafening. Don't make lazy assumptions from afar. Those, there, are, there are more ways to care about an issue than just tweeting about it. I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. The problem is these pastors aren't getting bashed for their lack of Twitter. For their weak Twitter game. They're not, that's not why they're getting bashed. They're getting bashed for locking down their church. 
They're getting bashed for going along with critical race theory and the St. George Floyd martyrdom narrative. That's why they're getting bashed. Uh, challenge your pastor to challenge you, not just the other guy. And this is where we get the truisms about, you know, you want the pastor to speak up about the sin out there. What about the sin that you have in your heart? And I get that. It's just a truism. The majority of online commentary about pastors falls into one or two genres of critique. That pastors today are too weak and borderline impotent, the conservative critique, or that they're too strong and borderline abusive, the progressive critique. While some pastors do need to be challenged in one of those ways, what if we spent more energy online and especially in person encouraging and equipping our pastors? They need it. I'm not issuing a blank defense of pastors here. To do so would be perpetuate the same straw man fallacy as the one I'm critiquing in writing. Oh, I added that last part. Uh, where... There are specific examples of pastors intentionally skirting cultural topics or criti- crucial topics to simply avoid controversy. We should call them out. We need pastors to speak courageously and more importantly, biblically in this confusing cultural moment. At, at TGC, uh, we are for pastors equipping them to address contemporary issues with courage and conviction. Are pastors perfect? No. And that this whole paragraph, and I'll just read the last sentence, but they also need churchgoers to be for them and with them, giving them benefit, the benefit of the doubt, rather than thinking the worst at every turn. And that's here, here's the crux of the issue. The Gospel Coalition is defending their audience. They're defending their readership. That's what they're doing here. Their readership is consistent of cuck, beta, male, squish pastors. That is the readership of the Gospel Coalition and liberal Christians. So I'll be real about that too. That's who they're writing to. That is who they're defending And that is the purpose of this article. It is to defend weak, soy boy, cuck, beta male squish pastors. If the shoe fits, wear it. The dog that yelps is the one you hit. This article is a giant yelp and the people promoting it are yelping. When they tweeted out this article, they got ratioed so hard that they had to turn the comments off, which just shows you how weak this article was. And you love to see the hate that this article got. You love to see that. So well done, Christians on Twitter for, uh, you know, Brett McCracken wants to talk about Twitter game. Your Twitter game got, you know, just bombed with this uh, article here. And I'm here for that. But like I said, the Gospel Coalition is one of the largest online ministries in the United States for sure. Um, And in order to compete with that, we need your support. So the least you can do is like the video, subscribe to the channel. Most you can do is head on over to evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join, linked in the description below, and you can become a subscriber there for as little as $5 a month to support the content 
that Evangelical Dark Web puts out, which is more than just videos. We have a whole website, evangelicaldarkweb.org. Check that out. Have a blessed day. Let me know what you think about what I think in the comment section. I will catch you on the next one. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.